Amen. Uh, we're getting ready to get into the to the Easter season, and we're coming close to uh, Easter Sunday. As we were talking before church, there uh, we only have one weekend before we have our <laughs> Easter celebration on that Saturday, and then Easter celebration on Sunday the seventeenth. And so uh, we're getting into the Easter season, and uh, I really want to focus in this morning. Uh, and maybe for the next couple of weeks, it depends on how the Lord leads us to go. If he leads us in a different direction, uh, we'll go in a different direction. But uh, I really want to focus in on uh, Jesus and who he is and, and what he means uh, to us. So as I start out this message this morning, I'm going to begin by asking you a few questions. And I don't want you necessarily to answer these questions out loud. I just want you to think about uh, what your answer might would be to some of these questions this morning. Why did you come to church today? What motivated you to get out of bed, get ready, and come to the house of God? Why do you pray and read your Bible every day? Well, at least I hope you pray, pray and read your Bible every day. Let me say it this way. <laughs> Amen. Why do you pray and read your Bible every week? Maybe we got, maybe we got some, some more of us in here this morning, some that are listening later, right? <laughs> Why do you call yourself a Christian? What does that really mean? What is it that sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world? What makes us unique and different? In other words, what does it really mean to be a Christian? The first use of the word Christian in the Bible is in Acts chapter number 11. And the Bible says that the believers, the followers of Jesus Christ, were first, first called Christians in Antioch, in a place called Antioch. The word Christian meant the same thing back then as it still does today. It simply means a follower of Christ. It's just that simple. It means to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus and his teachings. Thank you. I don't need more suntan up here. Artificial or natural or otherwise. So our very identity as Christians is inseparably connected to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So I hope you can say this morning that the reason why you come to church, the reason why you got up and got dressed this morning and came to the house of God, the reason why you get up and pray and read your Bible every single day, amen, is because you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You want to be one of his disciples. You want to learn more about him. You want to draw closer to him. You want to be more like him. If that is your desire this morning, then good news, you're in the right place today. Because the message I want to give us, amen, over the next several weeks is this. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him, Brother Chuck. Uh, amen, if we make it about anything else, amen, today, it's the wrong thing. We're going in the wrong direction. We need to put our focus, amen, on Jesus. And so over the next several weeks, and throughout this Easter season, we're going to focus the spotlight on Jesus. Our spotlights should always be on him, amen? But we're going to crank up the wattage, amen? We're going to crank up the power, amen, in our spotlight over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to focus on who he is, what he's done for us, and really what it means to be a Christian. So today, 
Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. Amen. I want to begin this morning by preaching a message titled, Follow His Steps. Follow His Steps. We're going to look at this passage in 1 Peter chapter number 2, and I love the way, I want you to pay attention as we read this. Amen. But I love the way that, uh, that Peter writes this and really defines for us in these verses. And I want you, as we read through it, I want you to underline uh, verse number 21 in your mind. And that's really the, the focus of our, our message today, verse number 21. Amen. And in that verse, he really defines for us in simple terms what it means to be a Christian. 1 Peter chapter number 2. We're going to begin reading at verse number 18. We'll read down through verse 25. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Now pause there just for a second. And what we can say in this is, we say we're talking about servants here. We can refer to any type of situation we may find ourselves in. In today, if you have a job and you have a boss, then you have uh, someone that is over you, and you, in a, in a sense, are following with this verse, are a servant. Are you subservient to that person in authority? They have the authority over you. So he says here, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not even not just to the ones that are good, not just to the ones that are gentle, but also the ones that are harsh to treat you wrong. <laughs> okay, for this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. In other words, it's commendable if you suffer for doing the right thing. You've done nothing wrong. Let's keep reading. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? In other words, if you've done something wrong and you get punished, I mean, what's, what's the credit? I mean, there's no credit there for us. Uh, Suffering because we deserve it. But look what he says here. If you take it patiently, excuse me, back up. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. You kind of understand exactly what he's kind of talking about here. If, you, if you're doing the right thing and you get punished for the wrong reason and you do that, amen, your heavenly father is watching in heaven. And he knows and he sees all things. And this is... Uh, commendable before God. Verse 21. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. In other words, Jesus didn't do anything wrong. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. In other words, he just committed himself to the hand of the Father. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, having died to sins or being dead to sins, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed for you were like sheep going astray but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer 
of your souls. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence, God, and thank you for your power this morning. We ask you, Lord God, to help us, God, to minister, God, the word that you've laid upon our hearts to minister this morning. God, may it uh, uh, be applicable, God, to us. May, uh, God, we pray this morning that uh, any distraction, anything that the devil would try to place in our way uh, to keep us from receiving this word, God, would be uh, put down and destroyed today. Hide me behind the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, God, let my words be your words this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody shout amen. Amen. See, I remember when I was, when I was a young boy how... I, I really looked up to, not that I don't now, I still do, but as a young boy, I really looked up to my father, to my dad. And one of the ways, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example of that this morning, an illustration of that is when I was younger, he began to show me how to, uh, how to, how to hunt, how to stalk deer, right? And so uh, as we would go out, he would, he would show me, he would say, hey, son, I want you to follow behind me. So he says, basically what you see me do, I want you to follow. He said, basically I'm going to show you how to walk so you don't make a lot of noise in the woods because by the time we get there, we don't want to scare off everything that's already in the woods by the time we get to the place where we're going to sit down. So he would begin to walk through the woods and he would move the limbs out of the way and the things and he would begin to step. And I was, I was a young boy, I would follow behind him and I would watch exactly where his footprints touched the ground. And I tried to think of why did he step in that spot? Was it because he was trying to avoid this type of leaf over that type of leaf? Or was it because he was trying to avoid this twig or whatever it was? And I would sit and I would watch him and I would try so hard to walk in his exact footprints, but his stride was just a little bit too long for me. There were times I couldn't quite get there, Brother Chuck. But as I got older, as I began to grow, as I began to mature, amen, those steps, they became a little bit easier for me, amen, to put my footprints in. And I finally started to realize why he put his foot there and why he stepped where he stepped and why he did the things that he did, amen. God began to, amen, reveal to me, amen, through this message, amen, today, amen, that Jesus has left us an example, church. Amen. The word example in this verse is the Greek word hupogramos. Now, everybody can pronounce hupogramos if you want to. It's fun. Amen. It sounds a little bit like hippopotamus. Uh, amen. But it's hupogramos, which means, listen, listen to this. This is, this, is, this is interesting. It means a writing copy of the letters of the alphabet given to beginners as an aid in learning to draw them. In other words, this word that Peter uses in here as, an as the word example, hupogramos, literally means, I mean, what they used to do back then is the teacher would write out the letters of the Greek alphabet in this case, or the Hebrew alphabet, or whatever alphabet you want to think of. The teacher would write out the letters, and they would give it to the students. And as a beginner, as the first step in learning the alphabet and learning, amen, the language was to trace over the letters that the teacher had already written. That's the word that Peter uses here as the word example. And then he says in this, amen, that amen, we are then to follow Jesus' example. We're to follow in his steps. The way that he walked on this earth when he was here, we're to walk in those same steps that our Savior took. 
You see, Jesus has provided us the written copy of the alphabet. It's in his word. He's given us in his word the perfect example to follow. His own life, his teachings, and his character. The Bible says that Jesus is the written word of Almighty God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. He is the example, amen, today, amen, that we are to follow. And we, are, in other words, are to practice and to learn how to be more like Jesus by studying the example He's left for us in His Word and making a commitment to follow His steps. Man, we walk in the path that he set before us and are careful to place our feet in his footsteps. But as we begin, and you know this, if you've been serving God for any length of time, when we start out, sometimes those steps are a little too wide. Sometimes his standard is a little too much. Sometimes I can't quite make it to the place where I know the next step where God wants me to be. But as I begin to grow and mature in Christ, as I begin to read my Bible and study and pray and come to church on Sunday mornings and, uh, and, and, and worship God, amen, and, uh, and live for Him, as I try to practice and, uh, amen, trace out, amen, the alphabet that Jesus has left, His Word that He has left for us, uh, those steps become easier and easier and easier to make. Amen. And Peter is saying, we as Christians today, to be a Christian, really that's what he's defining it as. Being a Christian is following the example of Jesus Christ and following in his steps. Think about, think about it just for a minute. We won't go through all these. There's so many things that we could talk about this morning in the life of Jesus. Think about the way that Jesus spoke. If it's been a while since you've read the Gospels, go back and read the Gospels during this Easter season. Amen. That's what I committed to do over the last couple of weeks. Amen. And uh, in my prayer time in the mornings, I had, uh, uh, Brother Chuck, I had, uh, I'm going to tell on my family, but uh, I had uh, about two or three hours in the morning alone time. I'd get up about 7 o'clock and I'd walk out on the balcony and hear the waves crashing and see the beautiful sunrise. Amen. That had already come up, but it was still coming around the corner where I could see it. Amen. I'd get up about 7 o'clock and begin to pray and study and read. And uh, uh, I had about two or three hours there alone that I could uh, spend time with God and just reflect on some things. And, amen, I made a commitment to read back through the Gospels because I wanted to know. I wanted to, I wanted to know for myself. Amen. I wanted to know more about Jesus. And I wanted to know, amen, how did he think? How did he speak? How did he walk? What, what was his character really like? Amen. How did he, amen, walk when he was on this earth? Because if I'm going to follow in his steps and I'm going to follow the example that he has laid out before me uh, I want to know everything that I can know about him amen think about the way he interacted with other people it's interesting really I mean, because you would say well Jesus was all just about love and forgiveness and grace and mercy and he was oh but ask the Pharisees and the Sadducees what kind of Jesus he was amen Jesus didn't put up with a bunch of nonsense either, right? Uh, amen. When it went against amen, God's word, or there was something that went against what God was saying, amen, he stood up for the truth, amen? Think about how Jesus demonstrated, though, that mercy and forgiveness and love. Think about how Jesus demonstrated the, the heart of a humble servant. 
Think about how Jesus suffered ridicule and shame and contempt and hatred and rejected and rejection and ultimately death on a cross because of who he was and the message of the kingdom of God that he brought to the world because of nothing he did wrong simply because of who he was and the message that he was preaching think about those things and you'll start to understand what it means amen to what Peter is saying here in verse number 21 what makes it so impactful for us follow his steps the reason why Jesus left us an example of his life and character is so that we as Christians would follow his steps, literally step in his footprints and trace out the example of his life in our own life. And I believe we as Christians should have that desire in our hearts today to follow in the steps of our Savior. Amen. To walk in the path, amen, that he has laid out, amen, before us. In fact, I don't think it's just a desire that we should have. If you call yourself a Christian, then you have a duty and a responsibility, can I call it a call, that is on your life to follow in the footprints of your Savior. And that's point number one this morning. I want to talk about the call to follow His steps. As Jesus began his earthly ministry, he began to assemble some followers. You know, you know the story, he's walking along on the seashore one day, and he finds a couple fishermen. Amen. God loves fishermen. Can somebody say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Jesus is walking along the seashore one day, and he finds a couple fishermen there, and he simply looks at them and says, follow me. He's walking along in another place, amen, and there's a tax collector sitting at the uh, receipt of custom, as the King James Version says. And he looks at Levi, he looks at Matthew, and he says, follow me. These men, later on some ladies that begin to follow Jesus as well, but these 12 men that Jesus called out to be his closest disciples... He called them out from where they were. And those men had to lay down some things in their life, amen, in order to follow the steps of Jesus. The fishermen had to leave the boat with Daddy. Amen. They left their nets. They left their boats. And they walked out and began to follow, amen, the steps of Jesus. Matthew had to leave a very lucrative job. He had benefits, he had, the money, he had it all. He was set. Jesus looked at him and said, follow me. Matthew got up, he left every bit of that behind, and he said, I'm going to follow in the steps of this man because there's something uh, different uh, about this man, Jesus. He just walks a little differently than some other folks walk. Uh, he talks a little differently than other people talk. Uh, he acts a little differently than other people act. There's something about this man and I just can't get him out of my mind. Uh, and I've got to follow him with everything that I have. See, Jesus is not walking on the earth today like he was back then. But he has sent the Holy Spirit into the world today, amen, to call whosoever will to come and follow him. <laughs> this morning, Jesus is calling through the Holy Spirit. He's calling the drug addict that is strung out on the street right now, come and follow me. 
He's calling, amen, the single mom that is struggling out there today trying to make ends meet for her family and having to decide between the next meal and the medication she needs for her baby is saying, would you come and lay it all down and follow me? He's calling the prostitute, uh, amen, today that is out there working the streets, uh, amen, would you lay down your life, uh, amen, for me and come and follow in my steps. He's calling, amen, to the hurting uh, and the wounded uh, and those that are out there today who don't have any hope, uh, amen, of a tomorrow, who are about, uh, amen, to take their own lives. Uh, He's saying, would you lay down uh, your arms uh, and come and follow me? That's the Savior that we serve. See, Jesus didn't come to call the righteous to repentance. Uh, He came to call sinners uh, to repentance. Uh, And I was chief of the sinners, uh, and you were too. And he called you out. He called you out of this world of sin and darkness, Brother Chuck. uh, Amen. And he brought you in, uh, amen, to the, to the, the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the Savior. That's the heart of our Savior today. You you want to know why Jesus came to this earth and died on that cross? He came for the misfit. He came for the broken. He came for the leper. He came for the lame. He came for those who had no other hope and no other way and no other means to find, amen, any hope in this life. Amen, there's people, and we were the same way. We're like the preacher in Ecclesiastes. He says, all is vanity. Everything in the world, it's all vanity. It's all vain. I mean, we all, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. I mean, we all end up in the same place six feet deep in the ground. And at the end of it, he says, it's all vanity. But you understand, it's all vanity if you don't have Christ in your life. If you got Jesus in your life, uh, there is no vanity. Amen. It is not worthless. Uh, Amen. This life is worth living. Uh, Amen. Because of who he is. Uh, Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Amen. It is him, amen, this morning that is really about. It's all about Jesus. He came to deliver whosoever will out of the depths and the bondage of sin and darkness to radically transform their lives and make them his disciples. But you understand this call to follow Jesus, to follow his steps. It's a serious commitment. Look how Jesus puts it in Luke chapter number 14, verse number 26. If anyone comes to me, if anyone follows me, if anyone follows my steps and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Those are some pretty heavy words, right? But we got to understand what this means. We know what it can't mean. It can't mean that we're supposed to literally hate our parents, our spouses, our children, and our family in order to follow Jesus. 
because we got way too many scriptures in the Bible that says we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're to honor our fathers and our mothers. I mean, we're even to not only love those that love us in return, but we're supposed to love our enemies. Amen. Okay. So our call to follow his steps, I mean, what, what does that mean as he's talking about here? Well, this word hate in verse number 26 means to love less. It doesn't mean hate the way we think hate. It means to love less. Well, what is he saying there? He's really saying this. Your love and your relationship with God and with Jesus Christ should be the number one priority in your life. As much as I love my wife and my children and my mother, my father, my parents, my aunts that are here, all of my other family, as much as I love them, I love him more. And she knows that because I expect her to do exactly the same thing. She better love Jesus more than she loves me. My children better love Jesus more than they love mom and daddy. Because that's the pattern that Jesus has set up for us. So God said, you're to love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength with everything that you are. Then you love your neighbor as yourself. We put the priority in the right order. Amen. We understand and know what Jesus is calling us here to do. But this is, this is heavy, right? I mean, to, to say this, I mean, we know we're not supposed to mistreat our family or do anything like that. I mean, God forbid. What he expects us to do is to follow the command to love God above all other things in our lives. To surrender completely to his will. That's the only way, ladies and gentlemen, that you're truly going to follow his steps. If you've got something else out, and think of it this way. If you're trying to follow Jesus, and you've got so many other things, or you've got something else that's out in front of you that you're following, then you're not going to know whether or not you're truly following in the steps of the Savior or not. When I walked out on the beach this past week, one of the things that crossed my mind as I'm studying this message, I mean, I walked out there and I looked at the beach and it was just like utter, I was looking at the footprints in the sand and it was just like utter chaos. I mean, there's just little tiny footprints and big old footprints and all kind of medium-sized footprints and one's going this way and they're, they're going all kind of different directions. Not only that, there's tire tracks. They're driving trucks up and down the road and, and, uh, and uh, four-by-fours and all these things. I mean, they're driving around. There's just, you look out there and it's just utter chaos. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm studying this message, and I'm like, my goodness, if I were to try to pick out the footsteps of Jesus here to follow him, there's no way I could do it. i got too many things that are crowding my mind. But as that storm began to come in, the water began to push up closer and closer and closer to the shore, and it actually took up a lot of the beach where we were there the first couple days. It became water. And the next morning when I got up and I rubbed my eyes, <laughs> And I took a sip of the coffee, and I could get my eyes unsquinted. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Y'all got that problem, too, when you first wake up. The water had started receding back, and there was nobody, nobody had been on the beach quite yet in that area. And the sand was perfectly smooth. There wasn't a single footprint in the sand. And I thought, now, Jesus, I can follow you through that. 
Jesus, if, if you were walking through there, God, I could see your footprints in the sand. And I might have trouble every once in a while uh, stretching out and reaching uh, to that next uh, footprint there, God. But I'm going to give it everything that I've got, and I'm going to try to follow in your steps. Uh, God, if I get everything else out of my mind and I clear everything else out of the way and I stop trying to follow anything else uh, that's going to lead me away from Jesus Christ uh, and Him crucified, uh, amen, now I can tell you this morning if we'll do that. That's when we really start following his steps. But when we make this decision to follow in his steps, our life changes completely. And there are certain expectations that God has for us to be a follower of Jesus. And so point number two this morning is this. This is the criteria to follow his steps. See, when we follow the steps of Jesus, we become a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And when we start to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we start to think like him, or we should. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5, Let this mind be also in you which was in Christ Jesus. We're supposed to think like him. As much as our feeble human minds can do, he's God. We can't, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. But he said, have this same mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Romans 12 and 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed. How are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind, by hitting the reset button on our mind and clearing out all the mess and all the garbage and all the other things that are trying to lead us in this life. And let the water of the Holy Spirit, amen, wash out all the footprints that are clouding up, amen, the path that is in front of us so that we can clearly see the footprints of Jesus walking in front of us. As we follow his steps in the way that we think, it also begins to change the way we act. We begin to be conformed into the image of Christ. We become more and more like him. We'll start loving like Jesus loved. Amen. We'll start forgiving like Jesus forgave. We'll become his hands and his feet on this earth. We'll start reaching out in compassion like he did. We'll lend a hand to a neighbor like he did. We'll begin to walk in the light of the gospel of peace and carry that message with us wherever we go just like he did. When we begin to live out the gospels, amen, in our life, Amen, that's when we truly start following in his footsteps. And as a result, the code of our conduct changes. And it begins to align with that of Jesus Christ. We begin to see things through his eyes. We'll begin to see through eyes of compassion. Like Jesus did when he walked out one day. And the Bible says, Brother Chuck, he looked out because he was trying to steal away and pray and he was trying to teach his disciples and all these things, but there were so many people that were following him. The multitudes in the crowd just began to gather around him and there were so many that were hurting and that were sick and that were lame and that were blind and that needed healing. 
And as much as Jesus was trying to get to the next town to preach the gospel of Jesus, to, to preach the kingdom of God coming on this earth, the Bible says in several locations that Jesus looked out on the crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, because they were hungry. They had traveled for days, perhaps, just to catch a glimpse of him. Their children hadn't eaten for days. When we start walking in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, we'll start looking through the lens of His eyes. And when we see people out there in the world today, we won't just see people who, amen, are, are just, uh, amen, maybe down on their luck, or maybe they're just not as good as we are. Maybe they're just not on our level. We'll see through Jesus' eyes to say, I got compassion on those people. You give them something to eat. That's what Jesus told his disciples. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. His disciples says, well, we don't have anything. All we got is this packed lunch. I mean, this kid's got, I mean, he's got a couple little fish and a little bit of bread. How in the world are we going to feed all these people with that? Don't you know who I am? I sit manna down from heaven for 40 years in the wilderness. I sent some quail a cubit deep as far as you could see. And you worried about feeding 5,000 people besides the women and children? Bring that meal to me. The Bible says he broke it. He blessed it. He gave thanks to God for it. He distributed it out to his disciples. In one case where he fed the 5,000, amen, those disciples took it out and they fed 5,000 men besides the women and children. And they gathered up 12 basketfuls at the end. Leftovers. Doggy bag. In another place, there's 4,000 men besides the women and the children. And the same thing happens. You feed them. Well, how in the world are we going to feed them, Jesus? If we had all the money in the world, we couldn't go to town and buy all the food we needed for these people. <laughs> Two chapters before. <laughs> I know they didn't have the Bible. He just fed 5,000. He did the same thing with 4,000. And the Bible says he took up seven basketfuls of leftovers. You see, I got a little off point this morning, but it's going to be all right. I'm going to find my way back to point number two here in just a minute. Uh, amen. But I'm here to tell you something. Uh, amen. If I, why, before I leave this point, I got to say this. Uh, if whatever you need this morning, uh, God, uh, Jesus uh, has an unlimited supply. He's got more than you need. Amen. He'll send you home with a doggy bag of spiritual goodness this morning. Hallelujah. But our code of conduct begins to change. We start to see through his eyes. We'll see through those eyes of compassion. We'll see through the eyes of forgiveness like Jesus did as he's hanging on the cross. He forgave all those that was spitting on him and punching him and making fun of him and laughing at him and all kind of stuff that they were doing to him. He even forgave the thief that was hanging on one side of him. 
as he's hanging on the cross and dying for our sins, our Savior saw through the eyes of love and compassion and said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. All right, there's a whole message right there. We'll keep moving. We'll begin to see through the eyes of humility like Jesus did. I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. See, Jesus demonstrated for us what it means to be humble, what it means to be a servant. See, Jesus didn't come to, to be served, he says, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus demonstrated that after the Passover meal, the Last Supper, as he gets up, he puts a towel around his waist, he gets a bowl of water, and he walks around and he washes his disciples' feet. The Master, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Creator, got down on his knees, humbled himself down in front of his disciples, and began to wash his disciples' feet. And when he got done, he looked at his disciples and said, you don't understand what I just did, but you're going to understand it one day. He said, I've left you an example of what you should do. That's the attitude that you should have toward one another. That you would be willing to humble yourself down and not care if he took a shower this morning and washed his feet or not. Come on. Amen. Amen. Not worried about whether he's got some gold bond on this morning or not. But to humble himself down, our Savior, what an example for us. As we begin to follow in his steps, I mean, we start to think like Jesus. We start to act like Jesus. We start to see like Jesus. And if we're not careful, we'll start to be an extension of Jesus on this earth, which is exactly what he intended us to be. We'll never be as great as Jesus We'll never be able to do the things that Jesus did while he was on this earth. He forgave sins. We can't forgive sins. That only belongs to God. And there's certain things that we cannot do in this life because we are not the Son of God. But Jesus has said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send the Spirit back. See, I was just one man on this earth, Jesus says. And he walked in the power of the Holy Spirit while he was on this earth. And he did mighty miracles, and he, he, gave, he did all the things that we read about in the Gospels. Just too, many, too numerous to mention. In fact, John says in his Gospel, man, if they were all written down, the, you could fill up the whole world with books, and there wouldn't be enough to contain all the good things that Jesus did. Here's the, he says, here's what I'm going to do, though. He says, greater things than these that I have done, you're going to do, because I go to the Father. I was one man while I was on this earth, Jesus said. He limited himself in time and space as a human being on this earth while he was here. And he said, I'm going to send the Spirit back, and I'm going to put the Spirit in each and every one of you. I was just one man on the earth. I'm going to put billions 
of people on this earth who are following in my steps, who are carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, and, and proclaiming the kingdom of heaven, amen, coming down on this earth. Ladies and gentlemen, amen, I'm just going to say it as plainly as I can say it this morning, uh, amen, and I'll move on from this point, uh, amen. If we are not, uh, amen, living out uh, the, the path that Jesus has laid before us, if we are not walking in his steps, uh, seeing with his eyes, uh, acting the way he acted, uh, amen, seeing people the way he he saw them uh, and responding the way that he did. Uh, we are not Christians. That's hard. I'm going to let you think about it. WWJD. Anybody know what he's talking about? I'm going to flip the script on you. I may get Stacy to make me a t-shirt. WWJ HMD. What would Jesus have me do? I know what Jesus would have done. What would Jesus have me do? And I am I willing to follow in his footsteps and walk in those steps that he walked. I gotta move on this morning. Point number three, there's a cost that must be paid in order to follow his steps. See, Jesus walked a difficult path while he was on this earth. He walked a path of rejection. He walked a path of ridicule. He walked a path of betrayal. And he walked it a path sometimes of loneliness. Now I know you, we say that you just said the crowds were gathered. Yeah, the crowds were gathered around him. But there was just there was just times that Jesus he knew that one day all of his disciples and all of his followers were going to flee and they were going to leave him and they were going to betray him at his most vulnerable hour. He would be left alone. So if we're going to follow in the steps of Jesus, if we're going to follow his steps, and we're going to have to be prepared as Christians to face the same re rejection and ridicule and betrayal just like Jesus did. See, the call to follow Jesus is not an easy path. Jesus said that it's a straight and it's a narrow way. Not only is it difficult at times, but it is often a path of suffering. In fact, Jesus likened it to us bearing our own cross. Mark chapter number 8, beginning at verse number 34. The Bible says this, When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, whoever desires to follow my steps, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Verse 35. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Verse 36. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Verse 37. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul. Verse 38. 
For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Following Jesus requires a commitment. The first thing we have to do is deny ourselves. That means we don't get to live our lives in a way that pleases us, that only pleases us. We don't get to do what is right in our own eyes. Those of you that are reading through the Bible, last verse in the book of Judges, they all did what was right in their own eyes, and you see the trouble it got them into. We have to deny ourselves. As Peter stated in our scripture text, it may mean having to suffer patiently even when we've done nothing wrong. And if that's not enough, Jesus says, not only do you have to deny yourself, but you've got to take up your own cross. See, a cross is a symbol of suffering and death. Luke's gospel says that we have to take up our cross daily. It's a reminder to us that our calling to follow his steps is not always going to be a pleasant experience. Jesus was reviled. In other words, he was criticized, but he didn't criticize in return. When Jesus suffered for doing good, he didn't retaliate against them. He suffered patiently. And it's exactly what he is calling us to do when he says, follow my steps. We deny ourselves of the right to retaliate. We deny ourselves of the right to return evil with evil. We bear the cross of suffering, ridicule, criticism, hatred, and whatever life throws at us as we endure it patiently and walk in the steps of our Savior. The difference for us is this. Jesus has already walked this path. And he's overcome it. And because he has overcome it, we can overcome it too. Let me encourage you this morning, church. Just follow his steps. I'm not even going to tell you this morning to follow my steps. If I'm following Christ, Paul says, follow me. But if I don't follow Christ, you don't follow me. If you follow a man or a woman, they're bound to fall off the path and go in the wrong direction. I don't have to tell you of the failures that have happened over the last several years in the evangelical church. Some just recently. Hillsong Church is in a mess. Their leadership is in a mess. Because somewhere along the lines, a man of God or a woman of God stopped following in the footsteps of Jesus and started walking their own way. And if you and I are not careful, we cannot point the finger at them and look down our noses at them because we are vulnerable to do the same exact thing. That is why it is so vital and why I'm preaching it Amen, this morning for us to get everything else out of the way that is leading you astray, anything else that is distracting you from following in Jesus' steps and begin to walk in the path that he's laid out for you and for me.
let me encourage you this morning. Sometimes it may feel like, especially if you're a young Christian, maybe even if you've been saved for a long time, it may feel like sometimes those steps of Jesus are a little too far. His stride's a little too long. His standards, his commandments, the way that he thought, the way that he acted, the way that he saw. Maybe I don't have what it takes, Brother Chuck, to follow in his steps. Let me encourage you. Just like when I followed my dad's footsteps or I tried to follow it when I was a little boy, there was times I just I came up short. And I stepped on one of those crunchy leaves that I shouldn't have stepped on. And he turned around. Or I stepped on one of those twigs that I shouldn't have stepped on and snap. And you hear... Let me encourage you. Just like I kept practicing walking in my father's steps, following and learning of him, learning why he did what he did, amen, why he stepped where he stepped. Let me encourage you, if you'll do the same thing today by studying and reading your word, coming to church, amen, being around other Christian people who, are, who, will, who will help you and strengthen you, those steps will become easier and easier. And one day you'll find yourself and you'll look back and you'll go, wow. I didn't think I could do it, but I did, and it wasn't because of me, amen, it's all because, amen, of who he is. See, following Christ is not always the easiest path, but it is the most rewarding. There is a payday coming at the end of the road. That's a song, you can stick it in your CD player and play it, amen. Anybody have a CD player anymore? Maybe not. Good, amen. I got one of my, I got one too, amen. Yeah, we're still old school, all right, I love it. It'll be worth it after all, after all the trials, after all the climbing, after all the struggle, after all the suffering. It's going to be worth it after all because there is a payday that is coming at the end of the road. See, one day Jesus is going to take his big holy handkerchief and he is going to wipe away every tear from your eyes. Every time you suffered down here on this earth, every time somebody made fun of you because you called yourself a Christian, every time, I mean, you didn't measure up to some other person's standard or, or level of what they thought you should be, Jesus is going to wipe that away from your eyes. And there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. Those things are going to be done away with forever and ever. Every memory of everything bad that happened on this earth to you will be gone in an instant. And we're going to live in a place of perfect peace and rest for eternity with Jesus. I'm going to end with this passage I love this passage of scripture 2nd Corinthians chapter number 4 when I'm going through a rough patch in my life I always come back to these verses 2nd Corinthians 4 16 through 18 therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, 
which is but for a moment. In other words, the things that we have to face and the suffering and the things we have to go through down here on this life, I mean, Paul says, is a light affliction compared to what Jesus did, what he went through. It's a light affliction when you really compare it to, amen, to the eternal weight of glory. He says, it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, here's what Paul says, Brother Chuck. This gets me a little excited this morning. Amen. Whatever I'm facing and going through in this life, whatever struggle, whatever suffering that I have to go through, it's just temporary. It's just a light affliction compared to the glory that awaits us in heaven one day. You're going to look back one day in eternity when we're in heaven, amen, after t- about 10 million years have passed, as one of the songs says, and we're still, amen, singing, amen. We're, we're still on verse number one, amen, of the praise hymn, uh, amen, and, and uh, we're just around the throne. You're going to look back and say, my goodness, that time on earth was just a blip on the radar compared to the time we're going to spend in eternity. And if my Savior can humble himself, that could leave, let me put it this way, if my Savior could leave the glory and the majesty and the perfection of heaven and take on an old piece of clay body that wears out and hurts and gets thirsty and hungry and tired and, and, and the emotions and, and, the, and, and, and take the ridicule and, the, and all the things that he took, the pain and the punishment and the suffering, if my Savior can endure that for me, when he didn't have to. Because he didn't do nothing wrong. Amen. How much more should I consider these things that I go through in this life just a light affliction? You say, you know what? I'm going to endure this patiently. I'm going to follow in the steps of my Savior. Every once in a while, I'm going to take a wrong step and I'm going to mess up and I'm going to find myself in a place where I need my Savior's help. Let me encourage you with this as I close. If you will follow in the steps of your Savior, you're going to come to a point in your life And you're going to turn around and you're going to look behind you. And you're only going to see one set of footprints. Not necessarily because Jesus was carrying you through those moments, though through certain times perhaps he does. You're going to turn around and you're going to see one set of footprints because you're following perfectly in his steps 
and you're walking in the way that he wants you to walk. Not that you're perfect, that he's perfect. And if you're walking his steps, amen, step by step, amen, in the footprints of the Savior as the example for us that we should live, uh, amen, I'm here to tell you, amen, you won't have to worry about uh, whether or not you've punched your ticket to heaven. Walk in the steps of the Savior, amen, and you've got your ticket already punched, uh, amen. You're going on the first trip, uh, amen, to heaven, amen. I'm going to take a trip uh, on a good old gospel ship, uh, and I'm going far beyond the skies. Amen. Jesus wants us to understand what it means to be his follower. Peter wants us to understand what it means to be his follower. In fact, I'm going to go back and read that verse. I don't know if I can get it in there, amen, but I'm going to go back and read verse 21 real quick, and I'm going to close. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand. If y'all can't get it up on screen, it's fine. I'm going to read this as I'm reading it to you. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow his steps. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you and praise you. Glorify and honor you, God, this morning. God, for who you are, God, today. God, your steps, God, they're hard to follow sometimes. God, it's, it's difficult, God. I don't always, uh, God, want to see, God, the, the, the negative side of, of things, Lord. But, amen, your word has made it clear to us. And, Jesus, you have made it clear to us that to be a follower of you, to be a Christian, to be a disciple of yours, God, we've got to follow in your steps. And Peter gives us the example this morning that if we're going to follow in your steps, we've got to take it all. We can't just take the parts that we want. We can't just go through a buffet line and pick out the stuff that, that we like. God, we've got to pick out, amen, some of the things, amen, we don't like as well. We've got to take it all. And part of taking it all this morning means there's going to be times where troubles and trials and tribulations and suffering are going to come our way. But Jesus, I thank you this morning that you've already walked that path. You've already, God, been down that road. And God, you are leading and guiding and directing us, God, this morning in the way that you'd have us to go. You've set the example for us in your word, through your actions, through your speech, God, through your, God, uh, the way that you, God, reached out to others, God, the way that you conducted yourself while you were on this earth. Help us, God, this morning to take this message to heart that Peter gives us in this verse, in this chapter, in this passage of Scripture. God, to, to follow your example, God, and to follow your steps in Jesus' name.